Hello everyone, and welcome to this very special party episode of Ginger Gerald, You Lucky Bastard. Today is a big celebration as we've hit episode 10 and we're still going. Hurrah! Yeah! The crowd's going absolutely wild out there. I can barely hear myself think. Now, when I started this little initiative, I thought it'd be a good laugh. It'd keep me entertained and motivated for a bit. And I also really thought that sharing some of our stories and experiences and exploring the real nitty-gritty details would be of real value to a small but very special niche of the population out there. However, I have to be honest, a bit like gardening, my pods become a bit of an obsession for me. Not only have I learnt so much about the weird and wonderful world of podcasting and podcasters, and I now feel like a genuine member of the worldwide podcasting fraternity, but, and maybe this is the best bit, I've had so much interaction and feedback from people all over the planet. People have popped back into my life how I knew moons ago. And so many friends, and in particular friends of friends, or just seemingly random people all over the place who've listened in and found some genuine connection to the themes and to the tone of GGYLB. So, I've taken a decision and I've decided I'm going to carry on for a bit. But I'm not letting this 10th episode just pass me by without a bit of a party. Now, the journey and experiences of Ginger Gerald simply would not exist if it wasn't for my gorgeous family. And at the very centre of that family unit is T, with her big loving heart and a very generous soul and as of tomorrow my wife of 22 years. So Ginger Gerald's first and very very special guest for today's 10th episode is none other than the infamous T herself. Now then T, before you and I ever met and got together Ginger Gerald, I'd lived overseas in loads of different places, and so had you. So, where did you lived, and what sort of time did you have gallivanting overseas? Um, so, in my earlier adult life, I lived in Greece for five years, and uh, also in Switzerland for some ski seasons, and where else? Oh, actually in Mallorca for one winter, that was hell on earth. Um, more about that later, if you need me to. Lived above a brothel. That was lovely. And I used to have people come um, and trying to convert me to God all the time because they thought that I was going home in a taxi because I was actually going to work in the brothel, even though I had my nice little Rep's uniform on. Um, so that was pretty awful, but that was pre-U. I'd also lived in Hong Kong. I'd also lived in Thailand. So yeah, I'd, um, I'd lived overseas. I was quite an international girl. Wow, I think I've just learned something new. <laughs> and of all those places, where did you think was like your, where did you most like and why did you like it? Um, I loved Greece. I think it was my spiritual home. I lived on the mainland. I also lived on several different Greek islands. 
I don't know why I loved it so much. I guess it was just because, you know, I was young and carefree and just having a good time. And as a rep back in the day, um, your, your colleagues, your fellow reps became like your substitute family. And I felt very, very close to them. And some of them are still really good friends. So I think I did, I did quite well there with my friendships. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it, really? It's like parallel lives. We haven't met each other, but we were both holiday wrecks in different, completely different places, but with the same sort of people. And in fact, it was one of those people who introduced us, wasn't it? Do you remember? So Greece, that's the place you spent quite a lot of time in Greece. What did you like about Greece and what did you miss? Because you were quite young then, weren't you? What did you miss about the UK when you were in Greece? I missed my family for sure. It was um, it was hard then. We didn't have mobile phones. Um, I remember one of my properties that I used to look after had a phone that I was allowed to use once a week, um, and I would ask if I could have my allotted time. And sometimes the phone would work for a good twenty minutes, and I could have a good chat with my parents and catch up with everything. And other times I would dial and hear that noise and then dial and hear that noise and then dial and hear one of them answer to only be cut off. And I would have to leave sadly thinking, I haven't got to speak to them again for another week. I also used to get handwritten letters with my nan, bless her, she's no longer with us, but I still have a box with all those letters that she sent to me with my address in Greece, written in very shaky handwriting. But I really treasured getting those letters from back home. Yeah, it was important. Wow, handwritten letters. Gosh, it seems like we're like a million years old. No mobile phones. <laughs> but it wasn't that long ago. We're not super old now. Now, in at the beginning of this series, I did, the first episode that we did was about D-Day, about taking the decision about moving to Cancun, because you'd been back Dad had started a family, you'd been back in the UK for a little while, and then I'd been back for a little while, and then, do you remember when we were talking about it, and the offer of Cancun was on the table, and we had to decide, do we go, do we not go, what the hell are we going to do? What was, what was on your mind? What was going through your mind at that time? Because that was quite tough. It was, it was, it was, it was super tough, but both of us had lived overseas but never had this adventure together and I think it was something I wanted us to experience as a family and together as a couple. It was tough because I'd already left my parents as a young adult myself and that was that was hard on them and then when I had my first daughter I left to move to Thailand and my daughter was just six weeks old so I took my parents' little tiny baby grandchild to the other side of the world. And then when we'd gone back to the UK, they'd formed a really, really good relationship with their grandparents. And there I was wrecking that again by saying, oops, I'm off, we're going. And as much as they love and support me, I knew that I was breaking their heart and I did it anyone anyway. Gosh, you know, that's, that's tough, isn't it? Because we think... And we talk about it quite a lot. That's why the pod is called You Lucky Bastard, because it's not about being lucky, is it? It's about taking those decisions, and there's some tough things in there. But I bet they must have, you had family over to visit you in Hong Kong, in Thailand, in Greece, and obviously in the places we've lived together. You must have had quite a laugh when they came out, and they must have loved coming out to visit you and rebond as well with their uh, grandchildren. Oh, as well. yeah, the excitement of Nanny and Granddad coming or my brother, anybody, or friends, 
The excitement of them arriving was just overwhelming and for about two weeks beforehand I would be super, super happy and really easy to live with. And then the moment the day came that I had to drive them back to the airport, not knowing where I was going to see them again, I was just bereft and I would cry and cry and actually thinking about it now. Look, you've set me off. Oh, no, she's welling up, folks. We've just got to have a quick hug here, but we'll carry on. Don't you worry. We'll keep it going. Now, being as we're crying anyway, when you first get to somewhere new, I've always thought this, uh, you get somewhere new and it's, you're super excited and so on, but then it's a bit tricky to start with. You don't know anyone. You don't really know how things work. And then you maybe work through that. So I did this episode about Ginger Dale, do you want to be my friend? Because I wasn't very good at making friends. I had loads of people I knew but didn't make friends. But when we got You're to Cancun... You're still really bad at it, I <laughs> When we got to Cancun, quite quickly you made quite a lot of friends. How did you How did you do that? How did you meet all those people? Because some of those are like really good friends of yours even now. I don't know. I don't know how I did it. And I don't know if I agree with you that I was very good at it because I can remember saying to someone who I'm really, really close to now, back in Mexico, um, you know, she said to me, but I'm your friend. And I said, yes, but I miss my real friends. And she became my fake friend, my best fake friend, because she said I never qualified her as a real friend. And what I meant was a new friend, um, as opposed to somebody that I shared history with, you know, long-term history with my school friends and people I went to college with and work colleagues that I'd known for years and years. So I don't know if I was particularly good at it. And if I was, it was by accident rather than by design. And um, I found it tough too. I did. I found it really tough. I think that's the thing about moving overseas as a couple, that you do go, um, you go through a lot together and you have to really, really like each other. You were my best friend and you still are. Ah, oh, that's interesting in the whole thing, piece about friends. You have, when you moved overseas and lived in lots of different places, it's like a patchwork, it's a bit like a jigsaw. You have lots of friends from different people, but nobody actually has been with you in all those places all of the time. Um, but it's true, it's lovely to have friends from when you were kids and they'll come out and visit so they keep up with you and then you get individual friends at individual pockets. Now our pocket in Mexico was eight and a half years, I know. It seemed to go very quickly and our kids grew up in that time, but what's your favorite thing? What what were the best things about Mexico and Mexicans? Um, Just, Mexicans are just so warm, open, friendly, and will invite you into their world um, without being cynical. They're just, trusting of you and yeah we made some good friendships in Mexico and I miss the weather I still miss the weather even though we live in sunshine and I miss the food because Mexican food is fantastic and that's not chili con carne by the way it's proper proper Mexican food sopes for breakfast and chilaquiles and Mm -hmm. Oh, just look, look at your face. You're just rolling back thinking about it. And smiling faces. Oh my God, the Mexicans smile at every opportunity. And people were just so welcoming and beautiful to us. That's what I really miss. Yeah. And we're going, we're going in a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, 
I'm very excited. I'm like a child. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. I know. It's odd, isn't it? The Mexican, I found the Mexicans and British, the sort of sense of humour is quite similar. There's the sarcasm and you can have banter with anyone. And the beauty about sometimes the Brits, some are up for it, some aren't. Mexicans, they're all up for a bit of banter and a joke if you're in the shop or the petrol station or wherever you go. That's what I love. Maybe I wasn't great at making close friends, but I knew everyone everywhere. Um, and you could always have banter with them, just in the street, whatever it might be. Oh, Jed thought the man at the local petrol station was his friend. That's uh, what he means by knowing everybody. I've still got him on my WhatsApp. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so so we had all this time in Mexico, and it wasn't all you know fun and games. It had its tough moments, and I've talked about that in a couple of the episodes. But when did you know, or how did you know? Do you think it was getting towards time to look to move on? And, and move somewhere else. What, did something hit you? Did you like wake up one night? Because I remember we talked about it a lot, but we seemed to get to the conclusion at around about the same time. And it wasn't quick, huh? Well, we were supposed to go for three years. That was the original deal, do you remember? So we put everything in storage for three years and we <laughs> did uh, nearly nine. Um, and at the beginning, I don't know if hormones played a part in this, but every month I packed my bags. <laughs> Every single month, I packed my bags, cried, waited for you to get home from work, and I said, that's it, I'm going back to England, I can't do this anymore. And then I just sort of settled in, and we got all our friends, our son was really happy. I think we just realised, partly, quite a big part of it was Everton, Amy, EJ, um, was a tennis player and he was ranked number five in Mexico and we had to travel so many hundreds of kilometres to get to decent tournaments with him and we realised that for his dream to come true, which we pursued, he needed to go somewhere where he could travel more easily, have more competition and have um, a different coach. Uh, even though we just adored his coach in Mexico and he was doing very well with him, he needed other players around him that could push him. So part of the reason of coming to Mallorca was for a very well-known tennis coach. And Yeah, we just knew, didn't we, that it was time. It had come to a point where, for him, it was make or, make or break and I wasn't prepared to send him to an academy and be away from him. Yeah, it was... You're right, we, have, we both have the same thinking, it was the timing, and then we got sort of lucky, I suppose. Do you remember we had a little list, and we said, well, if we're moving, where are we going to go to? And for the reasons we were looking for, one of which was for EJ's tennis. Um, and Mallorca was on that list, um, and I guess we got a bit lucky, really, because I started looking, we needed to work, so I got looking for jobs, one popped up in Mallorca, I applied, we were on holiday, they flew me over to Mallorca, we got off at the roll. It all seemed to go really, after quite a long time of waiting, it went really quickly, and then, and I don't want to bring back the tears, but then, that day, the, oh, wow. I'm remembering it now. The day we left Cancun to come to uh, to come to Mallorca, talk us through that a little bit. Do you remember? Well, I know you remember. <laughs> so talk us through it a little bit. I'm not sure I'm capable of putting into words the uh, the sadness I felt. In Welsh, you have a a word which is hireth, 
which means sort of homesickness and longing for a place that was never really, really yours. And uh, that's how it felt. You know, we left, but Mexico was always going to stay in our, our hearts and be part of us forevermore. And leaving, although we realised, yay, there's so many opportunities out there. We knew we were doing the right thing. We were moving closer to our families who were not getting any younger. I also had a, a daughter that we had left behind in England because she chose to stay in the UK to study. So I wanted to get back to Europe and be close to everybody. So although we knew this was the correct decision, it was heart-wrenching. Um, and I just want to go back to something you just said a second ago. You falling into the trap of you lucky bastard. You just said we were really lucky. We weren't. It took two years of you looking for a job that fitted your skill set and also fitted our plans of where we wanted to be. Two years of continuously applying for different jobs and then eventually you got one. There was no luck in that. That was sheer determination on your part and I think you did really well and you need to tap yourself on the back for that rather than fall into the you're a lucky bastard trap. That's excellent. I'm a lucky bastard for many things, <laughs> but maybe not for that. All right, I'll take that. And I remember that day as well. It was not just the day, the build-up, but the, the day we actually moved and that dogs had to be moved and EJ's best mate and his mum came to the airport and wow, it was so emotional, wasn't it? And then we turned up in the middle of the night, pouring with rain in Mallorca. We thought we'd missed that. Anyway, and we ended up and we got in a jacuzzi that night in the house we were in for about a week and we went... Ah, we appear to be here. Let's go. And then we had to kick in again. You remember that? Yeah, you had to... I just arrived. I was still really sad. I had two kids that were really sad, two dogs that had gone mental from the 12-hour flight. Um, I had family arriving the next day. It was Em's birthday coming up, and she was really sad. And you had to go to the office and... Oh, and then amongst all that, we had one week to find a home. And, uh, yeah. And, yeah, it was really hard. And I thought, oh, shit, here we go again. I've got to start again. And we did. I guess it was stressful. But we had to do things so quickly. We were sort of obliged to take decisions maybe quicker than we wanted about where to live and so on. But maybe it was better that way. We moved forward. But that first winter... And I know the famous winter, <laughs> winter in Mallorca, but our first winter was quite tough. Huh? We had this beautiful house, but it was a summer house, really, not a winter house. It was freezing cold, had no heating, it was all marble, beautiful looking, but wow, was that cold and damp. It was everything you touch in Mallorca in the winter is wet, damp, and this house was no exception. I spent the first four months, I think, in my joggers with a coat on under a duvet in bed with a hot water bottle um, just not wanting to go out I guess looking back I was really quite depressed I wanted my chanclas my flip-flops chanclas as they're called in Mexico and I wanted the Caribbean sand beneath my toes and in, you know instead I just got soggy Balearic Island I wasn't impressed I was like why why have we done this I still knew that it was the right decision, but yeah, it was tough. Maybe a word of advice for anyone thinking, maybe move in the spring, not so much as winter's coming in. But then 
switching that around a bit, a couple of years later, so we rented for a couple of years, didn't we? And then we decided, look, if we're going to be a bit longer, we didn't want to buy anywhere, or decided not to buy anywhere in Mexico or do anything there, but we still had the property in Brighton, so we sold the property in Brighton and we decided to buy here in Mallorca. Do you remember? And we're sat at the office where we are now is the house that we bought. Do you remember when, after all those houses we looked at, we walked into this one? Do you remember? How did that feel? I remember looking at the view and I turned to you and said, what do I have to do to you, darling, for you to buy me this house? (laughs) And guess what? We bought this house and I still love it. I told you Ginger Gerald was a lucky boss. It's that easy. Okay, so moving on quickly. We've been here for quite a while now. Now, what's your thinking? Oh, I'm going to learn something here, folks. What about moving forward from now? Because we're not, you know, we've still got plenty of life left in our yet. Our kids have all grown up, so they're all adults. They're doing their own things. Maybe they'll move to different places. They're all in Europe at the moment. They're in the UK. What do you think about us moving forward? What, why, I mean, will we suddenly go off to Hawaii? Do you have that in mind? Or what's, what's on your mind? Ay, ay, ay. I think the world is a really big place Um, and as much as I would like to sort of settle and stay forever in one place, bear in mind, I think this is the 10th country that I've lived in, so yeah, I've moved around quite a bit. Um, I feel too tired to move again, if I'm honest, I feel tired, but then on positive days I feel I want one more adventure just one more big adventure. I don't know what that is. I know it's not a motorhome, which I know you long to have not doing that. So I don't know where we're going to be. Never say never. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll cross motorhome off my list. <laughs> Maybe think of some other things. Right, last one, because it's so good that you've come on, T. I know you're a bit nervous about coming on the old Ginger Gerald. So now I'm going to give you a bit of a free ride. On the Ginger Gerald, you'll know, I've been telling you how great I am at DIY and looking after the swimming pool and all those sorts of things. So can you just confirm to my li- listen listeners just how great I am at all those things. <laughs> he's not, actually. He's not great at any of them. And the pool could have caused us to split up on many occasions. That sodding pool has really got on my last nerves. I love it in the summer when it's all working properly. But at the moment, it's a sort of funny shade of green with loads of sand pouring into it because something's happened to the filter. The garden is not looking its best. We need a gardener, but trying to find one here that will just do the odd job is really tricky. People want to be kept on a monthly um, retainer fee, and I don't want to do that because when we've got time, we enjoy doing it together. The thing about Ginger Gerald, he's super, super positive about everything he does, but he's also obsessional. So when he starts something, it goes on and on and on and on. A bit like this pod. So there we are, folks. Today's marked a bit of a special occasion. And believe me, there's no harm whatsoever in celebrating special occasions when they come around. You never know when the next one's coming. It's been great sharing not only 22 years of wedded bliss with tea, but now for the first time ever, 
a podcast microphone. And I bet it's been really interesting and insightful, not to mention entertaining, for you all to hear T's views, experiences and emotions related to our life overseas. The same life and the same situations, of course, but a different angle, through different eyes. No two individuals, perceptions or realities are exactly the same. T, thanks for joining me today. I've loved having you on Ginger Gerald's show today. Thanks for taking on the challenge and feeding into my growing obsession. And to all of you out there, thanks so much for giving us some time of your important day today. And if you feel you've missed out on any of the episodes of this first series, or indeed, after listening to T, you feel you need to go back and have a second listen to some of them, then head straight to my website, gingergeraldyouluckybastard.buzzsprout.com, where you'll find all of the shows so far, or look me up on Spotify, Apple, Google, Alexa, Podcast Addicts, all over the place. Or, of course, you can join the social media frenzy on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. That's it from Ginger Gerald for today. We're going to tuck into our cake and wine here, but we'll be back again next Thursday with a brand new and exciting theme. So, speak to you then. Bye. Thank you, Ginger Gerald, for enriching our lives.